Chapter 3 of Cubs of the Wolf by Raymond F. Jones. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Zach Katzstein. Chapter 3 They came out of the darkness of transpace that evening, and the stars returned in the glory of a million closely gathered suns. The Markovian nucleus lay in a galaxy of tightly packed stars that made bright the nights of all their planets. It was a spectacle for Cameron, who had traveled but little away from the solar system, and for Joyce, who had never traveled at all. Marthasa and Salcaron were with them in the lounge, watching the screens as the ship changed drives. The Markovian squinted a moment and pointed to a minor dot near the corner of the view. That's our destination. Another six hours and you can set foot on the best planet in the whole universe. If it were mere enthusiasm, Cameron could have taken it with tolerant understanding. But Marthasa's smugness and arrogance had not deserted him once since the beginning of this leg of the trip. Objectively, as a cultural facet to be examined, it was interesting. But Cameron agreed with Joyce that it was going to be difficult to live with. The unsolved puzzle, however, was Salcaron. It was obvious that the Eid was sensitive to the gauche ways of the master, yet his equally obvious devotion was unwavering. Marthasa had sent word ahead to the government that he desired the Terrans to be his guests. Evidently, he was a person of influence, for assent was returned immediately. His planet was a colorful world, banded by huge golden deserts and pinkish seas. The dense vegetation of the habitable areas was blue, with only a scattered touch of green. Cameron wondered about the chemistry involved. The landing was made at a port that bordered a sea. The four of them were the only ones disembarking, and before the car that met them had reached the edge of the city, the ship was gone again. A pirate's lair, Cameron thought, without the slightest touch of amusement. The field looked very old, and from it, he could imagine raiders had once taken off to harass distant shipping and do wanton destruction of cities and people on innocent worlds. He watched the face of Marthasa as they rode through the city. There was a kind of Roman splendor in what they saw, and there was a crude Roman pride in the Markovian who was their host. The arrogance that was not far from cruelty, could take such pride in the sweep of spaceships embarking on missions of murder and plunder. And yet, all this barbarism had been put aside. Only the arrogance remained, expressed in Marthasa's tone as he called their attention to the features of the city and landscape through which they passed. It wasn't pleasing, particularly to Terran tastes, but Cameron guessed that it represented a considerable accomplishment to the Markovians. 
stone appeared to be the chief building material. And while the craftsmanship was exact, the lines of the structures lacked the grace of the Greek and Roman monuments of which Cameron was reminded. They came at last to the house of Marthasa. There was no doubt that he was a man of wealth or importance, probably both. He occupied a vast, villa-like structure set on a low hill overlooking the city. It was a place of obvious luxury in the economic scale of the Markovians. They were assigned spacious quarters overlooking a garden of incredible colors beyond the transparent wall facing it. Salcaron was also assigned duties as their personal attendant, which Cameron grasped intuitively was a gesture of supreme honor among the Markovians. He thanked Marthasa profusely for this courtesy. After getting unpacked, they were shown through the house and grounds and met Marthasa's family. His wife was a woman of considerable beauty, even by Terran standards, but there was a sharpness in her manner and a sense of coldness in the small black eyes that repelled Joyce and Cameron, even as the thoughtless actions of Marthasa had done. Cameron looked carefully for the same qualities in the three smaller children who were at home and found them easily. In none of them was there the aura of serenity possessed by the eyed servants. When they were finally alone that night, Cameron sat down to make some notes on their observations to date. The fault line I mentioned is so obvious you can't miss it, he said to Joyce. It's as if they're living one kind of life because they think it's the thing to do but all their thoughts and feelings are being drawn invisibly in another direction, and they're half ashamed of it. Maybe the Ides have something to do with it. Remember Marthasa's statement that the relationship of the Sargs does something to the Markovians? If we found out exactly what that something is, we might have an answer. Cameron shook his head. I've tried to fit it together that way, too, but it doesn't add up. The basic premise of the Ides is asceticism, and there was never any strength in that idea. Marthasa is probably right in his estimate of the Ides. They have achieved an internal serenity, but only through compensating their basic weakness with the crude strength of the Markovians and other races to which they cling. They haven't the strength to build a civilization of their own. Certainly, they haven't got the power to influence the whole nucleus. No, we'll have to look a good deal farther than the Ides before we find the answer. I'm convinced of that, even though I'd like to find out exactly what makes them tick. Maybe next trip. The following days were spent in almost profitless activity, as far as their basic purpose in being in the nucleus was concerned. Marthasa and his wife took them on long tours through the city and into the scenic areas of the continent. 
They promise trips over the whole planet into other worlds of the nucleus. There seemed to be no end to the sightseeing that was proposed for them to do. Cameron improved his facility with the language, and Joyce was beginning to get along without the translator. They were introduced to a considerable number of other Markovians, including the official representative of Premier Jargla. This gave them added contact with the Markovian character, but Marthasa and his family seemed so typical of the race that scarcely anything new was learned from the others. At no time was anything hinted in reference to the original reluctance to have the Terrans visit the nucleus. All possible courtesy was shown them now, and Cameron dared not mention the invitation to stay home. He felt the situation was as penetrable as a thick wall of sponge rubber, backed by a ten-foot foundation of steel. After three weeks of this, however, he cautiously broached the subject of meeting the son and daughter of Marthasa in regard to visiting the library and museum. He had met each of them just once and found them rather cool to his presence. He had not dared express his interest in their specialties at that time. Marthasa was favorable and apologetic, however. I have intended to arrange it he said. There have been so many other things to do that I have neglected your interest in these things. We won't neglect it any longer. Suppose we make an appointment for this afternoon. Zlenon will be able to give you his personal attention. Zlenon was Marthasa's son, who held the position of chief historian at the research library. He was more slender and darker than his father, and lacking in his volubility and glad-handedness. He greeted Cameron's request with a tolerant smile. You have to be quite specific, Mr. Wilder, when you say you would like to know about the history of the Markovian nucleus. You understand that the nucleus consists of over a hundred worlds and has a composite history extending back more than 30,000 of your years in very minute detail. Cameron countered with a helpless shrug and a smile. I'm afraid I'll have to depend on your good nature to guide me through such a mass. I don't intend to become a student of Markovian history, of course, but perhaps you have adequate summaries with which a stranger could start, going back, let's say, perhaps two or three hundred Terran years? Of course, some very excellent ones are available. He moved toward the reading table nearby and began punching a selection of buttons. As Cameron and Joyce moved to follow, Marthasa waved a hand expansively and started out the other way. I can see you're going to be set for a while. I'll just leave you here and send the car back when I reach the house. Don't be late for dinner. They nodded and smiled and turned to Zlenon. The Markovian was watching them with pinpoint eyes. I wonder if there might be any particular problem in which you might be interested, he said calmly. If there is, Cameron shook his head hastily. No, certainly not. Just general information. 
the historian turned his attention to the table and began explaining its use to the Terrans, showing how they could obtain recording of any specific material they wished to choose. It would appear in either printed or pictorial form, or could be had on audio if they wanted it. Once he was certain they could make their own selections, he left them to their study. This is the best break we could possibly have hoped for, Joyce whispered as Lennon disappeared from their sight. We can get anything we want in the whole library if I understand the operation of this gadget the way I think I do. That's the way it looks to me, Cameron answered. But don't get your hopes too high. There must be a catch in it somewhere, the way they were trying to shoo us away from coming here. They punched the buttons for the history of the planet they were on, scanning slowly from the present to earlier years. There were endless accountings of trade and commercial treaties between members of the nucleus as the shifts of economic balance occurred. There were stories of explorations and benevolent contacts with other races on the outer worlds, details of their most outstanding scientific discoveries, which seemed to come with profligate rapidity. Cameron whipped back through the pages of the histories, searching only for a single item, one clue of the swift evolution from barbarism to peaceful cooperation. After an hour, he was in the middle of that critical period when the Council despaired of its inability to cope with the Markovian menace. But the stories of commerce and invention and far-flung exchange with other peoples continued. Nowhere was there any reference to the violence of the period. They went back 200, 500 years beyond the time when the council members first made contact with the nucleus. There was nothing. Cameron sat back in complete puzzlement as it became apparent that it was useless to go back further. The normal thing would be for them to brag all over the place about their great conquests. Even races who become comparatively civilized citizens ordinarily let themselves go when it comes to history. If they've had a long record of conquests and bloodshed, they say so with plenty of chest-pounding. Of course, it's padded out to reflect their righteous conquest over tyranny, but it's always there in some form. But nothing up to now has been normal about the development of the Markovian problem, and this really tops it off. The complete omission of any reference to their armed conquests. Maybe this planet didn't participate very much. Perhaps only a small number of the nucleus worlds were responsible for it, said Joyce. Cameron shook his head. No. The Council records show that the Nucleus, as a unit, was responsible, and that virtually all the worlds are specifically mentioned. And even if this one had been out of it completely, you could still expect references to it. 
because there was constant interchange with most of the other planets. We can try another one, though. They tried one more, then a half dozen in quick scanning. They swept through a summarization of the nucleus as a whole during that critical period. There was nothing to show that the Markovians had ever been anything but peace-loving citizens, intent on pursuit of science, commerce, and the arts. This could have been rigged for our special benefit, said Joyce thoughtfully as they ended the day's futile search. They didn't want to apply enough pressure to keep us from coming, but they did want to make sure we wouldn't find anything about their past. Cameron shook his head slowly. It couldn't have been done in the time they've had. Simply cutting out what they didn't want to show us wouldn't have done it. There's too much cross-reference in all periods involved. It's a complete phony, but it's not something done on the spur of the moment for our benefit. It's too good for that. Maybe they've had it for a long time, just in case somebody like us should come along. It's possible, but I don't think that's right either, said Cameron. I can't give you any reason for thinking so, except the phoniness goes deeper than merely deceiving an investigator. Somehow, I have the feeling that the Markovians are even deceiving themselves. They left the building and took the car back to the house of Marthasa without seeing Zlenon again. The Markovian host was waiting. Cameron thought he sensed a trace of tension in Marthasa that wasn't there before as he led them to the seats in the garden. We don't like to boast about the nucleus, he said with his customary volubility. But we have to admit we are proud of our science and technology. Few civilizations in the universe can match it. That's not to disparage the fine accomplishments of the Terrans, you understand. But it's only natural that out here on these older worlds... They listened half-attentively trying in their imagination to pierce the armor he used to defend, so frantically, the thing the Markovians did not want the outer worlds to know anything about. The talk went on during mealtime. Marthasa's wife caught the spirit of it, and they both regaled the Terrans with accounts of the grandeur of Markovian exploits. Cameron grew more and more depressed by it and as they retired to their rooms early, he began to realize how absolutely complete was the impasse into which they had been driven. They've let us in, he said to Joyce. They've shown us the history they've written of themselves. There's no way in the universe we can stand up and boldly challenge that history and call them the liars we know they are. But they must know of the histories written on the other council worlds about their doings, said Joyce. 
maybe we could reach a point where we could at least ask about them. Ask how it is that other histories show that 120 years ago, a fleet of Markovian ships swept unexpectedly out of space and looted and decimated the planet Blackane 6. Ask why the Markovian history says only that the nucleus concluded six new commercial treaties to the benefit of all worlds concerned in that period, without any mention of Lacane 6. When you start asking questions like that, you've got to be ready to run. And if it fizzles out, you've lost all chance of coming back for a second try. That could fizzle out because they simply deny the validity of all history outside their own. Then we might as well pack and go home if you're not going to challenge any of this stuff they hand out. We won't find the answers by standing around and taking their word on everything. I forgot to tell you one thing, Cameron said slowly. We may not have to take their word for it. Someone else here knows the truth of this situation also. Who? The Ides. He told her then of the warning Sal Caron had given him aboard the ship on the way to the nucleus. The statement that, My masters are a people who cannot yet be understood by the men of other worlds. The Ides know what the Markovians are and what they are trying to hide. I had almost overlooked that simple fact. But you can't go out and challenge them to tell the truth any more than you can the Markovians, Joyce protested. Because Sal Caron went out of his way to warn you doesn't mean he's going to get real buddy-buddy and tell you everything you want to know. No, of course not. But there's one little difference between him and the Markovians. He has openly admitted that he knows why we're here. None of the Markovians have done that yet. We don't have to challenge him because there already exists the tacit understanding that something is decidedly phony. And besides... He invited us to come and visit the Eyed communities outside the city. I think that's an invitation we should accept as soon as possible. End of chapter 3